Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. My name is Tracy Ariel and I am unapologetically Canadian. Charles O'Brien, who is the lawyer who just uh, attempted to get a class action about electromagnetic fields passed in Quebec. Authorized. Authorized in Quebec as a class action. Right. This is, so far, it's been a three-year journey, and we just got the judgment back, and we were not authorized. And I say we because my husband has been the technical expert for the last couple of years, and so I've started to take a kind of personal interest in the case, which is not usually what I do as a journalist, but that's what's happened, so that's why I'm being public about it. And that's why I helped start a nonprofit to help publicize and continue Charles' work. But we are still in the process of trying to get this class action authorized. Hey, Charles. Hi. Uh, the other thing that you need to know as a listener is that Charles and I have been friends, we've just determined, for 22 years. 22. And uh, so we have been, uh, so I'm biased on that side too. I want him to win. <laughs> so. Good idea. <laughs> so, but the challenge is not being authorized means that we have to either appeal the decision or do something else. So we might as well start off with that first. What, how do you feel about the decision? Well, I think that there are a number of errors in it, both in law and in terms of the facts that we presented. I'm particularly concerned about the issue of the rights of flora and fauna, which I thought we made a very strong case for, and was not really opposed at all by the other side. And it was very uh, shortly and I don't think very seriously treated by uh, his lordship in the decision. So on that aspect, I am uh, quite concerned. I don't think that to say because we can eat animals, they don't have rights. And that, as far as I can tell, was the basis of the decision. On the other hand, um, his lordship was very uh, clear that the case was, in his view, far too complicated to proceed as a cumulative effects case because generally you sue either one party or one industry and we sued all of the emitters, all of the major emitters, two of each for the most part, and the governments. And it, it is certainly the case that our claim is complicated. It's complicated in the sense that there are many sources. It's complicated in the sense that there is false science we're trying to um, disprove. And it's also complicated in the fact that the governments have been, I would say, very... Uh, unquestioning in their view of the claim that Safety Code 6 and similar standards that are used elsewhere for EMF um, is an acceptable standard. It really isn't. It's not a standard at all, and that's one of the mistakes the judge makes, is to call it a standard. Uh, it's called a guideline here, but we're not even sure it's applied. It certainly doesn't apply to cumulative effects. 
modern environmental law is all about accumulation. It's all about the multiplicity of sources of a kind of pollution that affect people. And the judge really seemed to prefer to have an assessment uh, based on either one source, i.e. smart meters or towers or what have you. But where cases like that have been brought in the past, uh, in particular in BC, the Davis case, they failed because the defendants simply come to court, like in the old water pollution cases, and say, but we're not the only people dumping. There are other sources of EMF, and therefore you can't pin it on us. So we intentionally chose a more complicated approach. Uh, Pedro Gregorio put together a very uh, well-thought-out methodology for trying to weigh the various um, emissions of all the different polluters when it comes to EMF with the help of our other experts. And so I think, though it is a hard case, this is the only way to prosecute it. And the judge seemed to say that it was too complicated for a court to handle, which uh, I think is not how these matters are to be considered in a class action context where you're trying to protect the victims. So you f I think the court is better and really obliged to find a way, as efficiently as possible, to take the evidences there and make the most of it and decide whether or not there's a case, and if there is a case, then require the defendants to show that the claims aren't true. So I guess that's the, the next step is either appeal this decision or what? Well, if we don't appeal, uh, the other option would be to file uh, a somewhat pared-down version of a cumulative effects case where we would, instead of trying to get uh, all of the industries involved as defendants, we would limit it to the most severe polluters. And given that 5G is going to be the next big source after uh, towers and smart meters, I think we would limit it to those kind. I talked to the experts, of course, and find out who they think are the essential defendants. I think the governments have to be there because of the lack of a serious standard for EMF. But the option would be to pare it down to the very least number necessary from the various industries to make sure that the main contributors to EMF pollution are there. Right. Um, and uh, I guess why, I mean, you've been working on this for more than three years because the case itself has been going on for three years and it took some time to set up in the first. Why do you care so much about this issue? Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. One of the things that bothers me the most is that like um, lead or asbestos or climate change, uh, tobacco is the most recent example, uh, I, I am personally bothered where the industry influences the science and convinces the government that there is no pollution problem, there are no victims, when in fact there are. So the false science aspect of it is very uh, bothersome to me. It's, I hate dishonesty. I consider it to be dishonest. The government has played along with this. I don't understand why. Uh, not just our government, but many significant governments, including uh, you know, World Health and, and other organizations like that. That's one thing. The other reason that I, that I decided to do this is that Quebec is the most open-minded jurisdiction to environmental class action suits, both in terms of authorizing them and also in terms of funding. EMF has not been able to be prosecuted as a class action anywhere. Uh, there have been discrete cases about brain cancer or brain tumor in cell phones, 
but nobody has really tried to put together a serious EMF class action suit, with the exception of the case that was brought in British Columbia, which is the Davis case. And in that situation, they tried to sue for smart meters only, and they were blocked because the defendants brought experts who said, even if there are EMF emissions from smart meters, there are other EMF emissions from a variety of sources. They again claimed that there were natural sources, which is not true uh, in regards to non-ionizing radiation. And they claimed that humans emit EMF, which is, is laughable, quite frankly. But the other option, which is to choose the largest emitter and sue them only, has failed. So the accumulation approach is necessary. Quebec is open to class actions. And Quebec has a funding provision, which unfortunately we didn't get funding. Uh, but there are less costs involved as well. So this is the right jurisdiction to bring a case like this. As well, uh, when you go to class action conferences, um, the Quebec judges continue to complain that in Quebec, class actions come from other provinces or come from the states. Many of the class action suits that are authorized are photocopies of California cases or uh, Ontario cases. And then they become national and the Quebec lawyers end up sitting in the back seat until the decision is made elsewhere uh, in Ontario, usually, or in BC. And then we just follow along. And the judges really want to have Quebec at the forefront of class actions, uh, as we're very strong in environmental law and environmental class actions. And in particular, in Quebec, we're far ahead of everybody else in terms of the rights of flora and fauna. It seemed to me that this was the kind of sub subject matter that Quebec would be interested in and could lead. So that was why I put those two elements together, both the cumulative effects of EMF and the rights of flora and fauna. And of course, flora and fauna are clearly affected by EMF, just as humans are. Um, from there, I, I'm questioning, because I don't want to ask you questions about strategy, because I know you're still working that out. Mm -hmm. and, and we've just got the judgment. I mean, it's only two weeks old, so it's not like you've had a lot of time to digest it anyway. Uh, so maybe we can move on to the rest of your career, because one of the things that the judge pointed out is that you are a, essentially a one-man operation. He actually found that, some, he found that uh, questionable as a way to operate. I'm surprised, because it would seem to me that uh, a one-person operation is actually more uh, limber and, and able to do kinds of cases that would be different than other major firms might be able to handle, primarily because you don't have to worry about conflict of interest as much. That's right. And conflict so, is an issue here, for sure. Exactly. And one of the things that I've noticed in Quebec is that a lot of cases that otherwise might have grounds to be taken up by someone isn't often are left behind because firms are worried about conflicts with other clients. And so I thought that they would have been. I thought he would have been impressed by your handling of this. Um, can you talk about why you operate as a one-person operation and what's going on with uh, what you've done in your career? To, to well, create I would, that? I, I would start with this case, and then I'll tell you more afterwards. Okay. This case is all about experts. Uh, any EMF case is about experts, and. When Marcel Durand first spoke to me and asked me to take this on, I said to him, Marcel, if you bring me an expert, bring me a qualified expert, I'll take on the case. And uh, I heard back from Marcel again about eight months later in another phone call. I said, Marcel, we had this conversation eight months ago. And then Marcel went and got top flight experts. So 
I felt comfortable and competent handling this as an environmental lawyer on my own, in particular because I had world-class experts. And, and I also had the benefit of Pedro, your husband, who as a, as a friend and as an expert was able to oversee people in the EMF community that might have uh, a, a bias or a certain view of things where he doesn't have that. And so I had not only EMF experts, but I had an independent expert who was able to look at the various expertise that was being proposed and to tell me, this is credible, this is less credible. You can go this far, you can't go any further because the standard would make the world dysfunctional from an electricity point of view. So in this case, I've told everybody from day one, it's about the experts. And the prosecuting of the legal element of it shouldn't be that hard. Now, I made it more difficult by bringing in a, a large number of defendants, but it really is a case of expertise. And if you look at our exhibits and our claim as drafted, it is almost only readable by somebody who has an understanding of engineering for the, the nature of the emissions, for the nature of the damage caused. So, in this case, it was about having the experts. Uh, I did approach other lawyers, but you know, they wanted to be paid. And we didn't have any funding for that. So, uh, you use the resources that you have. We had a, a essentially free experts or very affordable experts and, and of a quality that is, is second to none. So in that case, I wasn't at all bothered by it. With regard to uh, why I'm a sole practitioner uh, in environmental law, uh, part of that is the fact that I like to choose cases that I think will be jurisprudence making, that will open a door for other cases in the future. Uh, the law firms are more interested usually in defense work, quite frankly, where the money is, or government work where you have to answer to the government or the people that are telling the government what they want done. Um, when I work on my own, I'm able to handle the cases the way that I want. And what I've done uh, to a fair extent is bring in notions from outside of Quebec and outside of Canada, American law, European law, in this case, some of the leading stuff comes out of India and China. Uh, so I take ideas from other countries, uh, as progressive as they can be in environmental law. I find uh, lawyers that I can work with, experts I can work with, and clients that are sympathetic to the cause, right? Clients that have a good claim, um, and prosecute it that way. So it allows me to do things that other firms couldn't do, and it also comes back to the conflicts issue, which you mentioned earlier, because in a large firm, you can't sue companies like Google or uh, Amazon or whatever, the large companies, because most large firms have a connection. In, in the tobacco case, it was very hard for the, them, for the plaintiffs to find a law firm that didn't have a conflict of interest. And the lawyers that took the case for the plaintiffs had to actually walk out of the firms they were in, because those firms had conflicts. So... A smaller operation gives you the opportunity to do things that are more cutting edge. And uh, I'm not there to reaffirm principles that already exist. I'm trying to push the envelope on environmental law and get better environmental precedents here in Quebec. Now, that sort of brings up the whole uh, why you even stayed in Quebec, because you have some education from uh, the U.S., you have uh, the possibility of going in a whole bunch of other different countries and you could probably be more financially solvent in another place. What made you stay here? 
it's true. I have a master's from France and from Vermont. Uh, I could have worked in the States, but Vermont has a lot of environmental lawyers, and, and the States has a lot of environmental litigation. They're far more advanced than we are by, I would say, at least a decade, possibly more. Um, Quebec, when I started working here 20 years ago, was well behind the curve in environmental law, and, and, and Canada is too. Quebec is catching up. We've got very good legislation, and our charter is very strong. But the jurisprudence is not there yet. So my calculation was that I could do more good for the environment, creating precedent in Quebec, than working in the States in a field that already had been paved, existed, and wasn't going to change much. So you're a trailblazer. Here, yes, I am. Yeah. And um, but doesn't that mean making sacrifices, personal sacrifices? Uh, sure. Um, and, and having personal gains, too, because you have a family here. Most lawyers are interested in making money. Some lawyers are interested in making money and having a good reputation, and there are a handful that are actually trying to do good works and are less concerned about the other two. So the sacrifice is financial, but I, that doesn't bother me. I don't have huge financial aspirations. Um, I would like to do some good as much as possible. Um, one of the reasons this case, this decision frustrates me is that I thought we were on the path to do something of great value, not just for the Quebec victims, human, flora and fauna, but also for Canadian victims uh, and North American victims where there are class action regimes available. Um, so I, I'm happy to, to gamble in that sense. I, I don't need the money or the reputation. But uh, it's a personal choice, right? It's the way I want to do things. Yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's a thought-out personal choice. It's not like you just sort of have been... It's not like you've been carried into it. You've sort of directed your own... Or have you been carried into it to an extent? No, I made decisions along the way. I've been offered jobs in large law firms. I've worked in uh, a large law firm, and I was offered jobs in Vermont after I graduated with my master's from Vermont. But I thought that it was more important to try to establish a stronger environmental law basis here, create a jurisprudence here, where more good can be done. I'm not required in Vermont. I'm not required in France. But there are very few plaintiff's lawyers in Quebec. There are, again, not that many more in Canada for environmental issues. And for flora and fauna, there are no lawyers doing anything at all. Um, but one of the things listeners, I mean, some of the things listeners don't know is your history in Quebec and your roots here and your reputation here. I mean, your your life in Quebec isn't just based on uh, doing good as a lawyer. You have history as a person here, too. That's what I want to talk to you a bit about. Well, I, I was born here. I grew up here. My family's been here for uh, at least 100 years, anyhow. Um, and obviously, you, you stay in your. Many of my friends left Quebec, right? When uh, when René Lévesque got elected, and people became concerned about referenda, etc. Most of my friends moved to Ontario or the states. Um, I had no interest in doing that. And even though I studied abroad, I came back here. So I feel an attachment to Quebec and to Canada for sure. And that leads to my final question, which is: uh, Do you consider yourself a Canadian, and if so, why? Uh, I most certainly do. Um, 
I think the answer to the why has to do with values. Um, you know, we are certainly different from uh, the Europeans that I've met and the Americans that I've met. Uh, I think there's more of a, a social sense, and there also is a sense of wanting to do good in the world. We, we speak about it a lot. Um, I don't know if we do as much as we say we want to do, but uh, there's, a, there's a, a civility here that I appreciate and a sense of uh, neighborhood that I haven't found so much elsewhere. So I think that's all part of it. Well, what about your attachment to Montreal? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do love Montreal. Um, that's the cultural aspect for sure. Um, <laughs> I just got back from a trip where I was explaining to people in Panama that uh, we had jazz music and we had Jackie Robinson because we had an openness to colored people uh, where the states did not. And I think, especially now, you can see our openness to people of all cultures and backgrounds and colors and religions. And I think that's a great thing. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with that. I had a friend who was once asked if there was a black problem in Toronto, and she said, yeah, we don't have enough of them. That <laughs> was quite, awesome. a, quite, a, quite a good answer. It is a very you know? good but answer. That's, that's how Canadians think. Yeah. We want more diversity, and we, we enjoy it and believe it's a good thing. Whereas other countries don't. Wow, and it certainly helps with the food and the uh, the food, the music, the entertainment, everything. Yep. I yep. mean, it's a. I think well, we share that in terms of the an attachment to Montreal. I didn't yeah, grow up here yeah. though, like you did. But <laughs> in, in Quebec, in particular, there's there's a sense of being very social and sociable. You know, if you watch people in a restaurant, they're all going to be speaking amongst themselves, and a party is many people together, not groups of people off in corners. And that is something that is very much the, the Quebec mindset, is a sense of community. And I think that's wonderful. Thank you. And I really appreciate you uh, talking to me. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.